Yeah, no, so what happened is I, uh, I fucking folded at one point last week and signed up for one of those wine subscription boxes. There's like six of them at this point. I, I you know, I picked one of them because uh, I think one of my... One a of wine my... subscription box. You know, that's, that's actually really good for me emotionally as a type of orphan, Sam, because now you're my mom. <laughs> right? No, so like one of my favorite YouTubers was shilling it and, you know, like I got half off. I'm like, oh, okay, fuck it. I can just cancel next month and get, you know, like six for however much. You know, oh that's... my god, that works? Companies aren't just launching money into space? I'm in advertising and I thought that shit didn't work. I should stop talking about my job that often because I just openly disparaged the entire apparatus. Well, here's the thing. It, it's only going to work for them for the first month because I'm going to take my six bottles and I'm going to run away with them and never pay them for anything again because I'm canceling my subscription after the box arrives. Um, wow, this is a real Sly Cooper and the uh, Thievius Raccoonus situation. Well, here's here's what I figure, right? Is that I, I don't actually drink too much wine. I, I although I don't usually have too much of it around, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I I'm into it enough. I can talk about it. I have you know a favorite kind of red. I have a favorite variety of white, et cetera, et cetera. This is almost like a borderline emergency supply for you. Then I guess uh, when the riots come, you'll have plenty of wine. Everyone else have toilet paper, but you'll be in a way better mood as your rancid scent sweeps through the neighborhood. Well, here, here's what I'm figuring, right? So it's like there's like a half dozen or so wine subscription boxes, right? So I could just, you know, kind of cut and run from this one um, <laughs> and then just find the next one that, you know, some other YouTuber asshole is shilling and then, you know, get that one for half off and then, you know, rinse and repeat until I'm out of them. But, you know, at that point... Um, I hope that I don't need it as much anymore. And if I still do, then fuck it. I'll just go back to high life. All right. You have a strategy. My drinking habits have been for the first time, and I want to say six odd years, none. And not out of general concern for my liver or appendix or brain, but the extremely vapid thing where I realized I could just do the fucking Parks and Rec thing of this. I stopped drinking beer and drop weight like nothing by just not inhaling my emotional support animal in liquid form. I think when I'm ready to be in shape again, I will I will drop the uh I will drop the booze, but right now um no one can see me, so I don't really care so much. I uh although I do do this this very dysmorphic little thing where, you know, on my way to the shower in the morning, I'll kind of duck and dash past the mirror so that I do not have to look at myself. Um, the, 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 like, Are you a fucking vampire? No, the whole thing is that it's not actually even that bad. Like, my waistline is exactly where it was. I just, you know, have become soft, I think is the thing, is, is, is the word to use. Like, like, you know, like when someone's kind of like in, in pretty good shape, has decent muscle mass, and then they abruptly stop working out. And it's not like they get a beer gut or anything like that, but all of the muscle goes soft. That happened to me. I think um, that was the original margin of the dad bod before the Overton window shifted to try to fit our collective self-esteem. Could be. Um, so, yeah, I guess what I have right now is the uh, is the original definition of the dad bod, um, which literally the second that Blink opens up again is going to turn back into the, you know... Sam, you know, needs to be at least this good looking to have any sense of self-worth. For me, the thing is, I don't know, I, find, I have trouble finding 
quite enough time when the world works, so I'm using this, like, prison. And I actually like the results so far. I can do those weird push-ups where you're... What do they call them? Archer push-ups? The... Pikeman push-ups? That, like, archer Saberman push-ups? Various other words bent into fucking Fate Stay Night classes? Or spirits, or whatever the fuck. I don't know. I put it on my fucking worst of list. I'm not obligated to get that one right. Uh, see, I was about to make an Archer, like, Mike Reed Archer joke. Oh, man. How many sub-permutations is that show on? It has gone through... Okay, besides just the regular, they're secret agents, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Then they were drug smugglers. That's one. Uh, private detective agency. That's two. Mm-hmm. Noir detective. That's three. Um, Danger Island, whatever the hell that was. I think it was based off of a show... That lasted one season from like 1972 because you know, like it's Archer, of course it would be. Uh, that's it's fascinating four, to see and a then man go from space 1999 constantly his shows canceled to the uncancelable show that. I guess this last one, this uh, this next season is going to be the last one. Um, and you know he will have he will have had a show that legit just lasted for ten fucking seasons after you know like. C-Lab and Frisky Dingo, you know, went belly up within three. Oh, man, I'm really glad that happened for him. I was a real complainy boy after Frisky Dingo died. Almost, like, a tenth as loudly as, like, you talk about Thundercats War and a variety of other things. I think my resentments simmer and then erupt in various quips years later. I uh, I credit Archer with my love of the farce genre. <laughs> I think it's why I like uh, Antonio Inucci's stuff. Um, oh man, the death of Stalin Genucci? is. Uh, for my money, that was the best movie that came out that year. Other than various pieces of Japanese animation, of course, because this is an anime podcast. Anime podcast, right? Yeah. Anime, yes. It's not a wine podcast. It's not a fitness podcast. Nor is it a farce podcast. Well, it's a little bit of a farce. You know, just it's so far. Well, no, I actually, no, it can't be a farce because no one's bursting in through the door and, you know, like catching anyone in a compromising situation. And then someone says, it's not what it looks like. Someone burst in on my end like three minutes ago. I'm just going to edit it out. And then Groucho Marx makes a pun. Right. So uh, first show this week. Um, oh, so this week doesn't exactly. I don't know. This week sort of has a theme ish. Like, like going in, we poker sort of face, imagine... Sam, poker face, Sam. Poker face. Don't show any sign of fucking weakness. This week's theme is shows where we didn't quite know what to expect going in. Now, I am a biased motherfucker. Die blue, overeducated, all that shit. And I generally just go into... If I have a flaw as a critic, which I don't, but if I had a flaw as a critic, I definitely have a preset attitude heading into most things. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say that's uh, that's probably about right. Like, I see the stills, I see the plot summary, I see the staff, and I think I have an idea how things are going to go. And that preconception is often wrong, but I think I would have to be some kind of Cylon if I didn't say maybe that tilts some of my opinions at times. Uh, I'm somewhat similar in that I will sometimes just read a description, um, and if I... Honestly, if I have not been affected by the uh, by the anchoring effect yet, I will sometimes read a description of a show on my anime list, and a lot of the time, like a lot of the time, I will just think to myself, "Oh, it seems like such a fucking hassle to watch." <laughs> oh man, don't you hate having to do your hobbies, man? If only I could just be chained to my cubicle at all times with no possible forms of distraction. 
I'm like realizing now just how counterintuitive it is to be being like a half decent fucking anime critic, right? Because I I seem to actually rely on someone saying, "Hey, you should check out this show." Thus, you know, giving me a uh predisposition, I guess, towards or against, you know, a show like it is, I think Assassin's Pride I checked out on the recommendation of I don't know, someone because they were telling me, "Listen, you got to fucking watch this stupid fucking shit." Um, I don't know, this... we do a lot of season chart diving though. It's not a, it's not purely secondhand smoke. Well, yeah, the episode before last that was, uh, I think that was that was you looking at the season chart and picking out the two most interesting ones, and these two were us picking out the two most. Ooh, ooh, this could be either really good or really shitty. So yeah, our theme this time is things that were basically on the dividing line and could really work or could really fall on its ass. Yes. Um, this one I was thinking could either be very entertaining or it could be um, horribly boring and self-indulgent and kind of fan servicey. And it thankfully surprised me. Very pleasantly surprised me. Um, this is Kikushi Goto uh, by, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, Koji Kumita. Koji Kumita, yes. Uh, and if any of you have seen or read uh, Sayonara's Tsubo Sensei, same guy. Doing a very similarly formatted series, um, in that it's sort of a a whole bunch of vignettes starring an overly dramatic, you know, man kind of in his, you know, thirties or forties. Yeah, we know a lot about Koji Kumeda's self image between these two shows. Uh sort of reacting to the people and world around him. Um It's a format he makes work. I've only seen I mean, I've seen all the Sayonara's that do with Sensei shit because my life is a vacuous hole. Sayonara's that do with Sensei is like the fucking one piece of, you know, anime comedy. No. No, fucking Gintama is, I guess. But Sayonara's that do with Sensei is a pretty close second. I don't know. I can't remember how many fucking seasons of that thing there is at this point, but there's so many, it's just too intimidating for me to watch. I did watch a decent amount of it. It's infuriating when you're trying to get into it at this point, is that they keep changing the name of the fucking show every season. Yes, that's uh, that too. They don't, they're not just seasons, they're you know, I guess a new series unto themselves, and they all have, you know, naming conventions that make sense if I imagine that makes sense if you speak Japanese, but I, um, you know, I, I, I know what Moi means, uh, but, uh, <laughs> that's some real deep cut linguistics you got going there, Sam. What are you going to do on the university calls? Uh, tell them to Yamate calling me. <laughs> oh God. I remember God on the fucking depths of Reddit. We're going to get back to the show in a second. I promise. Please believe me. I, sure. Yeah. There is a review attached, but. I just remember the worst username I ever saw was Yamate Onisan Itai. <laughs> That's fucking the, curse. <laughs> yeah. And I fucking hated understanding it perfectly. <laughs> That's like Did he did he like did he make some really well thought out insightful comment about something that you know was like a, of the appropriate length, like didn't go too long, wasn't you know, monosyllabic or anything like that, but he was like, wait, is he not... It didn't like, go for that joke. It was, uh, it, was, it was more prosaic. It was like a really normal comment and fucking ask Reddit, but his name was Yamate Onishanitai. <laughs> <laughs> fucking damn it. 
Which actually brings me to why this thing, even though I like the whole Zetsubo Sensei thing, was on the maybe list. It's just, I saw the premise and thought, please don't be a sister fuck show, or I guess daughter fuck show. Oh yeah, and no, I know we've, we been, we've been burned. There yet in a lot of programs, but I think maybe, I don't know if I've just been doing this podcast too long, and there's just too many Aero Manga senseis and Assassin's Prides and shit. And uh, Bunny Drops. Oh, Bunny Drops, dude. Bunny Drops one was so bad. I have a stand-up routine about Bunny Drop. For context, let's uh let's explain the uh, the premise to this one. Um, this is a uh a, a mostly you know vignette kind of sketchy uh comedy about a uh, mangaka dad, uh single dad. Uh, it's implied that his wife has passed on, uh raising their daughter, uh whom he adores and dotes upon endlessly and does not want to find out that he writes um, dumb manga featuring dick jokes uh, is near near as I can tell. Like the, the description is that you know, the description on anime list and wherever the hell else is that he writes etchy manga. But like when you watch the show, uh, it just seems to be something along the lines of like, like a Danny McBride comedy, except in manga form. Just a dude who yeah. puts his pants on his head and wiggles his dick at people. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting... Actually, I should say it's an interesting setup, because I actually was not too interested in the setup. What honestly is a show's crowning achievement in my book is that it really crams together a whole bunch of stuff that I normally do not, do not like, like or give yeah. a shit about. And I enjoy this product. It's not doing anything too particularly new is the thing, but it's just doing it so amazingly well. That's true. And just one of my fucking antimatter particles in anime in particular. Actually, I fuck with this the least in novels. Anime is like a runner-up offender in this, but just writing about writing, I will just foam from that mouth. My eyes will glaze over. Blood will leak from my fucking ears. Because I have seen so much wank in every medium. Including Domestic Girlfriend, which, if you remember, that motherfucker is a wannabe mangaka. Or novelist. I think actually a novelist. It's fucking true. Domestic Girlfriend. And like... But... There was just something about that show's fucking formula that just made... I don't know, I... Sometimes a signal just gets through the ether. We, I, I can't explain it either. He, well, he was like Hades from the Disney's Hercules movie. I love to hate that motherfucker. <laughs> um, uh. This, though, um, is is fun because he he doesn't get too amazingly wanky with the whole, like, oh, I'm an artist. I make manga. This is important. This is this is my struggle here. You will never understand my struggle, but I'll try and you know, get down on you. I'll get, I'll try to get down to your level. Um, yeah, that's one thing, and I guess it's nice that a lot of his observations are relatively idiosyncratic too, or at least he just goes deep enough into the process. Like he writes these in a way that it seems like someone who both has done this and has an observant eye might comment on. I am amazed that so many of these things that follow a mangaka or wannabe mangaka have nothing interesting to say about it. It's one of two topics I expect to know something about. I expect to know something about that and maybe, I don't know, eating food. <laughs> well, here's the thing. the uh, Whoever the fuck wrote, directed, whatever the fuck, Lucky Star knew a whole lot about eating food and they wouldn't fuck, shut the fuck up about eating food and I still didn't care. 
<laughs> now it's um I think one of my favorite jokes. Uh, I like this series so much. Uh, it was just so um, endlessly just charming to me that I showed it to Morgan, who also ended up uh, loving it. Uh, one of my favorite little gags from this was this little one-off gag where, uh, in an effort to stay relevant, uh, they decided um, the the main characters in this show, uh, besides the um, besides the dad and his daughter, are uh, the dads all the dads' uh, assistants at his studio, right? Yeah. Uh, in an effort to stay relevant and stay competitive. Uh, they decide to upgrade to the 21st century, and like they buy all sorts of Cintiqs and shit. And uh, if you are not in the arts, um, then a Cintiq is basically the best fucking tablet you can own. Uh, it's the industry standard. It makes it so much easier to do your work, to you know, to do your art. It's um, if the room is quiet, a Cintiq actually quietly whispers plot threads to you. Yes, it's um. It's it's an unbelievably expensive and wonderful piece of equipment, and <laughs> so there's this great little gag where um where he he starts drawing on the Cintiq, and uh the Cintiq does not auto rasterize for him, uh which is to say his his line work looks like shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wonderful <laughs> because he's just he's old and he can't do this. <laughs> so that was um. Um, I th- I think Morgan actually reacted as though she was witnessing someone shooting a puppy, <laughs> because like Morgan is a uh, right yeah Morgan is in the arts Morgan is an illustrator uh so that was it was one of those little kind of artistic bra moments uh, actually, for them. I believe within the Weeaboo Hell canon they are a uh, criminal I think we established that last episode. You gotta uh, people, did you gotta we give people a through line to follow? Oh God! Just, uh, just fucking Mark Twain say like, "Don't lie, and if you don't, you won't have to remember anything." Well, if I did everything Mark Twain said to do, I would be way better off. Uh, someone fucking kill me! But yeah, back to enjoying this show. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, extremely good. Um, the supporting cast is uh is very fun. I'm still learning their names as it takes me a while. I. Oh yeah, the batch of assistants in the show are a lot of fun. Um, there are three sort of child friends that the daughter has that have faces modeled off the Zetsubo Sensei characters because you gotta get that fucking money. And uh, thankfully, their personalities are not modeled off of uh, said characters. That'd be yeah, yeah, a different a, show if I it know, were. It's a, it's a borderline shout out, but to yourself, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but it doesn't really bother me. Well, it's sort of like how Shinji Akari is uh, just a gender flipped um, Nadia from Nadia and the Secret of the Blue Water. Like you look at you look at her face, you look at his face. They are drawn with basically the exact same facial bone structure, whatever the hell. Yeah. It's kind of like guess, that. And I guess it's a nice thing in creating just create little through lines for yourself or for other people mm. to enjoy. Since uh, this is a review and I enjoyed most elements of the show, I'm going to dive deep into my nitpicking bag and talk about the one thing I didn't like. Oh, yes, it's yeah. my bizarre-ass, borderline fucking spectrum nitpick for a lot of media in general, but this show does that fucking thing where when there is a sequence that is sad or morose or sort of thinky, the sort of soft piano music will hit the wall really hard and hey hey are you feeling this way yet do you see what's happening and i know i know i know before your fingers fly 
do. Yes, it is the job of a soundtrack to either enhance or establish a mood. But everything has gradations and just degrees of subtlety. And this isn't the worst offender by far, but I guess it just stands out with how how well modulated a lot of the other shit is. And the worst thing... I remember the thing that did this the worst in my recent memory. At least out, out of the things I've seen, obviously. Was over here in the uh, Degenerate West. The fucking Joker movie was a super terrible offender in this. Like, fine movie overall, right? But... Just the soundtrack leaning in even harder than the Joker is saying, Do you see what this says about society? Do you feel things yet? In this scene, he's empowered. Look how empowered he is. Hold on, let's get some tracks in. And I'm not saying a a soundtrack can't be fucking bombastic. Like, I fucking love all the in-your-face shit they did at those early Guardians of the Galaxy. What do you mean early? They're only fucking two. What the fuck is wrong with my brain? In those two Guardians of the Galaxy movies. But, uh, yeah, you can see we're 3D nerds here on Ryu Buhel. So one thing that thankfully does not happen in anime a whole lot, uh, and it is my sort of sticking point with, with soundtracks and such, and it's, it is a specifically a half-hour comedy thing because I've seen a number of those in my time, which is the you know kind of sad indie song that plays during the drama moment of a half-hour comedy, like usually involving either an acoustic guitar or a piano, and you know like the showrunner's favorite you know kind of. You know, Bastille-esque, um, you know, uh, indie band. I think, and uh, there's this great send-up of that on the uh, the Venture Brothers that I can remember. Um, but, like, it, I don't know when it started, but I'm probably, it was probably Scrubs, right? Like, Scrubs started all of the various, you know, 21st century sitcom tropes. That, sh- that shows that a lot of them fucking momentum of the way that's, that fucking multi-camera shows in for a while scrubs and the office were probably like the two most influential uh single camera uh sitcoms and i just you just see their fucking dna everywhere and the sad indie song is i'm pretty sure one of scrubs sins uh but yeah anyway i did like that's on my i guess that's like a despite all my raving there that is only a minor element of this show i'm going to uh Comedic equivalent of spoilers here, in case you hate hearing jokes before they're happening. I don't know, skip five minutes ahead or some shit. Mm-hmm. There was this gag I fucking loved. I'm just going to pick it out, even though the guy's not there that long thus far. The fucking dark fantasy author character in this fucking show. <laughs> All right, the not Kintaro Miura guy. Yeah, the not Miura guy <laughs> was really great, and he is surrounded by a, a few more of these... Um, well-conceived writing about writing jokes. Like, they talk about the experience of when your fucking series has cooled off a bit and you used to be popular. <laughs> oh, and you, you talk to each other by saying, so things have calmed down a bit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I actually did just write down the words, uh, finish Berserk <laughs> a few times in my notes. He was on that ship for two years. Two fucking years. Bonebeard the pirate. <laughs> Are you Bonebeard. fucking kidding me? Bone beer, bone beer. Oh man, I I legitimately wonder where he's taking that one. I'm sure it'll be good when it happens. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. It's not that it was a bad arc. It's just that it took him fucking years to get through it. Yeah, yeah. Put uh, put another fucking uh, point on the board of stop whinging about AOT pacing. 
Oh, I, that was that was actually the series. If you pay attention, um, I, I didn't catch this until the second time I watched the episode. Um, but if you if you pay attention, that is what inspired him to write a new dark fantasy series, is because he saw a copy of an Ursat's Attack on Titan. I think in this series it's called Attack on Gremlin, and they're wearing underwear, so it's Great. slightly less lewd. Uh, yeah, no, I think the um. The guy that he talks to is supposed to be Kentaro Miura. Um, in fact, I'm going to pull up a picture of Kentaro Miura because I think he's supposed to even look like him. That's interesting because they had that guy dressed up in a really idiosyncratic way. Man, Kentaro Miura looks normal as fuck. I am shocked. Oh, well, yeah, he does. Okay, Holy I don't know who shit. the fuck that guy was supposed to look like. You could walk by him then. on the street because the guy they have in the show is dressed up like a nutter in like quasi-traditional clothing and everything. Oh, he's oh. What's the what's that fucking um Japanese theater bit that it's like the one guy with the fans uh, and he plays all the roles that like he's dressed up as though he does that um gak something gak. I'm not sure the name of that medium actually. That's a good ass question. I guess I no longer qualify to host Weeaboo Hell. Abdicating to my new co-host, nerd aficionado Chris Hardwick. How's it going, Mr. Hardwick? Please believe me. I didn't do it. Please believe me. <laughs> Uh, uh, sure mr hardwick all right now that he is recanceled i am back in my role i want to try and go into um all the fun little idiosyncrasies with this show because i don't want to just leave it at oh yeah it's good and it's kind of charming because you know there are a lot of shows that are good and kind of charming um I sort of like it. It does have this nice little sort of bittersweet undertone to it, where um, it is every episode uh, is kind of intercut with a flash forward, where it's his daughter, um, not quite a decade yeah. later, so um, kind yeah, of investigating. Like What's up? Yeah, she's about eighteen in the flash forward. She's I think. about about eighteen in the flash forward, kind of just investigating, um, you know, her father's life that he kind of kept from her. Um, you know, much after the fact. And if you if you pay attention to this flash forward and if you even pay attention to the OP, I think he's passed away at this point. Yeah, uh, like I think, I think I think he's bit it. And it's interesting seeing a show that has such a sort of cherry core have death at the margins the way this show does. I And it I certainly like does. It. I wanna say it's definitely possible to botch this kind of mixed tone but it lands well here i mean you just read bunny drop uh and then you don't do that do well actually bunny drop had a completely different problem um oh yeah i guess a very different I guess problem you, you watch how i met your mother and then you don't do that um although yeah, here's the thing i am kind of expecting some sort of interesting little twist here right because um you know sayonara zetsubo sensei ended on such a twist um so I'm 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 expecting something of a surprise uh, once this show kind of runs its course. Although I don't actually know how long this uh, this is going to go on for. I don't actually know if the manga has wrapped up yet. If it has, that is a quality question. I am going to cheat using the magic of the fucking internet. Oh, it's still ongoing. Uh, near as I can tell. Nice, nice. And with the fucking grind of seasonal anime, they have plenty of time. Which I. We keep having this conversation, but I guess that's a good trade-off for the old plague of gecko endings. I suppose. I mean, it's like... Well, it does feel like a lot of stuff sort of just dies before its time. I'm not sure it's... It's definitely sort of an anchor on original anime, I think. 
it seems to me like a number of these, you know, seasonal anime that only end up getting the one season, at the very least, you know, it's like a big long twelve episode long advertisement for the manga, right? Like well, here's the thing. It's a bad example because it did get a second season, but Kaguya-sama got me fucking reading that manga. I know it got you mm. reading the manga. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm caught up with that. I was actually going to suggest that we cover the second season of Kaguya-sama for this uh, episode, but honestly, second season, it is good in exact in the exact way that the first season was good. It is just it a continuation. Rhymes. It's like it's it's just it's still good. There's not much else to say. Like ink has been spilled, hands have been wrung over Kaguya-sama Love is War and the second season is not a letdown. It is it is the exact same level of good and is the exact same kind of good. Speaking of school kids, that reminds me of something I wanted to say about this one. Oh yeah, go for it. Now I have some kind of horrible anti replication technique or strain in me where I just can't take the way kids are rendered in most things. I'm not, like, Mm -hmm. against child actors or against child characters. I think just the creative choices that surround them often are kind of trash. But I actually liked the daughter in this one. She is kid-dumb in a way that is funny, but not abrasive or makes you dislike her. Yeah. Well, she's very... She's very innocent. And I think that, uh... Almost, uh, almost exaggeratedly so, because it's sort of mentioned in these flash forwards that, um, I guess up to the day he, I think, died, he was completely successful in, you know, keeping, keeping his professional and personal life, uh, completely separate, and you know, she just never fucking figured out that. Yeah, like unless <laughs> he wrote you're called stupid manga, <laughs> fucking great. Unless you're called shot for the shows, you know, haha, she knew all along, which is possible. They could go that way. I have no fucking idea. It's nice that they have some wiggle room, I guess. What I kind of enjoy, just as a sort of, it's not a genre so much, uh, or even, I don't know if you could call it a trope, but, it, but as a little, I guess, convention, right? Is okay. um, the convention of people who sort of make problems up for themselves, uh, like uh, like Kakushi Go. I mean, the, the guy's name is Kakushi Gota. That is the name of the... I think it also might mean something. Oh yeah, Japanese, that is a like, big part of what makes the show as fun. It's, as it's, just watching his reactions <laughs> balloon into these crises, and it has—I guess the whole edge this thing has over a lot of the Sayonara experiences that the grounding in this sort of background emotional trauma of the mom's death or his impending seeming death gives you a nice personal through line that works to its benefit i think i mean stylistically i produce things a lot closer to fucking zetsubo sensei's broad (laughs) satirical sweeps and it's time for gags i don't have time for your fucking emotions get out of my goddamn face yeah but this variation is working very well for him and it's working very well for this show and i appreciate that well i think it's because the gags very much come from the emotions uh and you you can kind of uh you can kind of read the behind not behind you could read between um, diff- uh, wrong preposition. The uh, lines with um <laughs> with Goto, um, and you know like why he feels the way he does about you know his profession and you know like how to be the best dad he can and what his version of the best dad he can be, you know, to his daughter is, and you sort of off in the background, right? Is I, his wife shows up in a flashback once has a single line, right? She is barely a character, you know, on screen, but she does have this, um, 
you know, knowing what you do, right? That she is very likely dead, right? Um, corpse almost certainly help. dead. Yeah. Um, she does have this, um, this really interesting invisible presence within the text. Um, Scrooge. Scrooge. Uh, you know, he, he like, he'll talk sometimes about how he kind of wished that his, uh, that his daughter had a mother <laughs> and is interpreted by the people he's talking to as, uh, specifically the women that he's talking to about it as him hitting on them. <laughs> That's he, one of the that, again with this show. That's one of those. That's like one of the kind of gags where nobody just fucking hate and it lands at end. Oh, I'm gonna do it. I guess sometimes it depends on the execution. Please don't unsubscribe. Please, I love you. We want you to stay. I, I I'm glad that I could get a little bit further into this than just oh yeah, it's just you know things executed well. Um, but yeah, no, it's um. I'm trying to find this show's beating heart. Um, and I think it is because um, I of how genuine... Uh, well, it's, it's because of how genuine, you know, Godo and, you know, his love for his daughter ultimately feels, even if it is expressed in a, like, very silly way. And, you know, just the fact that he does feel like a genuinely good dad... Uh, Despite, you know, the, the dumb things that he does to himself for the most part. Um, you know, like, it, it, it never seems What's to feel... What's that song you like? It's because you do it to yourself. I can't, I can't uh, just, yeah. Off my head. Uh, just. It's a just off of the bends. My favorite song of theirs. Turn the self-destruction in just down 60% and you sort of get Goto in this. Yes. Yeah, he just... He just it, it's not that he's destroyed his life. He's just made his life more difficult than it needs to be. Um, and you never get the sense that um, he may, right? Uh, his daughter, that he is fucking her up or making her life any worse than it needs to be. It's, it's literally just him. <laughs> he is taking the long route through one of the city maps in fucking Mario Kart in this show. Yeah, because she is... You know, they, they go to great lengths to just say oh yeah she's just a normal kid she you know she thinks about kid things like he's like i guess technically you know detective agency which which i guess is common or something i'm not sure i think that must be a riff on something that i'm not aware of that's possible um, i don't know maybe kids are just less lazy pieces of shit than we are here <laughs> it could be i don't know I, I i think they they have a little bit more freedom that's like why pokemon is slightly more plausible in uh in Japan, especially because, right, we were coming off the heels of the satanic panic in, like, the mid-90s when Pokemon dropped, right? So right. the idea of a 10-year-old, you know, going out and adventuring through, I guess, Ursat's Tokyo, right, on their own, fucking ludicrous, they you know, in the States. They have a reality TV show. I can't vouch for how good or bad it is. It just exists. But you just ask a kid to go get these groceries, and the show just follows them trying to pull this off. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I fucking love Japanese television. Just whatever the fuck happens to be on, be it anime or otherwise. I do like that their reality TV seems to be motivated a bit more by peak and less by the black beating heart of cruelty that is British reality television. I was gonna say American, but they really beat us on that one. Like some of the shit. <laughs> American reality television seems to be sort of based on just spectacle. Let's see. No, not even spectacle because that's what Japanese television, uh, Japanese or Japanese reality television seems to be based on. I think American reality television is just 
It doesn't have to be good, but what is going to what what do we have to do to just have it be so that they don't change the channel? What is like the minimum amount that we can do so that I think in an earlier episode I was talking about how um how American snack food is made to be purposefully kind of bland so that you'll eat a lot of it. Um, a lot of American things are made to be that way, uh, and uh, reality television is no different. That's a fair insight. It kind of sounds like America's reality television is just stretching along that first Tinder date, trying not to say anything about their fucking internal Republican leanings mm. on their New York City date. But then again, there's also the Mask Center, which is just a really weird show, which I I know that y'all watch it a whole lot over uh, over there, but I, I can't do it because it is, to me too much or seems just to be too much like what guy montag's wife watches <laughs> you know for 24 hours a day uh just like this sort of show that someone who lives in a dystopia would watch just that would be what is on television um and i don't like being reminded of the fact that i do in fact live in such a dystopia so i think that is why i just cannot fucking into that show i will disagree with you on one small point which is to say, use the word over there. I live three blocks from you. I know the fucking planet's on fucking shutdown, but I'm not in goddamn <laughs> France right now. Okay, over there, three blocks over. Fine. But yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking of unexamined dystopias, uh, the second show, Millionaire Detective Balance Unlimited. They already use a semicolon between balance and unlimited, but I think they need an EM dash or a hyphen or something between detective and balance. Because then the title actually makes sense. Like, the millionaire detective beat balance unlimited because he has a fucking unlimited credit card balance. Whatever. Um, I I guess, like, insert a Yahtzee Croshaw jo- joke here. Um, This is a series that its first five minutes I loved... Um, I, I was, like, very, very excited for it. Yeah, and then, I was in when this started. Uh, like, it's got really fun character designs, right? It's got a fun, you know, kind of James Bondy OP. Uh, it's got, you know, like, its sense of humor is, for the most part, like, right the fuck there. Uh, like, really early on in the first episode, there's this great little, um, there's this great little joke where, uh, you know, it's a, it's a cop show, right? It's a detective show. Um, and, you know, they're at the precinct or whatever they have in Japan. Yeah probably probably a precinct um and you know the main character just goes past you know his desk neighbor who's you know <laughs> whose uh computer starts you know spewing porn noises and then he like panics to start uh, to uh, to silence them right because he clicked on the wrong ad or claims that he clicked on the wrong ad or something like that and was not in fact just watching you know red tube at work um it has a lot of energy. The whole show does have a lot of energy. And you can sort of see us rolling towards this one big butt. And I do have a huge-ass butt for this show. But maybe to be fully intellectually honest, I should... I don't, I don't grade things normally, but to understand my sort of feelings about the show, I would give it maybe a 6.5 or a 7. I think it does not get that much from me. I think it maybe gets a 5. I'm, I'm talking like American grading system here, dude. Do you know what to do to get a fucking D in our fucking high school? Oh, okay. Sure, 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 sure. Right. I'm not Anthony fucking Fantano over here, okay? Maybe letters or stars are better. The point is, this is a... Uh, 
this is a show that had potential to do things with a lot of its fucking moving parts, and it just is so unexamined in, in ways that grate against your brain. Uh, I, I learned actually why maybe before. this is. Uh, is because it is based on a series of novels from, wait for it, the 1970s. Um, so I think its themes are somewhat dated, and they just did not bother to update them whatsoever. Uh, but yeah, let's get well, let's get to the premise here. That could actually explain so much with what is broken inside this thing. But all right, so a lot of the premise is just caked in the title: the millionaire detective. You have your fucking straight man who is a cop who used to be a first-rate cop in I don't know, elite SWAT corps or whatever, and has been sort of busted down to this local precinct. And you have this, I don't know, Jeff Bezos's nephew. Who decided one day that he wanted to be a detective. And if that sounds like a loathsome fuck to you, then you would be correct in the estimation of a lot of people. His name is Daisuke Kanbei. Um, and he's... He unintentionally feels like a realistic depiction of Bruce Wayne. Like, Bruce Wayne, yeah. right, in... Earth of 2020, the one that we live in, right? Um, no, I, that guy totally fucking be near the top of my list on the guillotine block, right? Um, and so is this asshole, Daisuke Kanbei, um, who... The whole, like, core comedic gimmick, because this is ultimately like a hybrid comedy crime show, mm-hmm. is that this guy expends vast amounts of money solving, like... I don't know, mid-tier page two crimes, right? Like, fairly trivial problems, right? Like, I think the first couple episodes, they're, like, doing vice shit. And I know, I know, from the description, in your head, you are imagining a great version of this show, and that is why we reviewed it, and that is not what I fucking got here. It's like, just, just pay taxes. You don't have to be a detective. You'd be making the world such a better place if you just paid fucking taxes. I know you don't. You sound so cross at this unexamined crass. We like all kinds of crass things. Isn't it fine if that's the joke? And yes, there is a great kind of jokey vibe you can do with this premise, but it's. I guess the thing is that this thing's goals don't go beyond a beyond light adventure, but has a premise that invites scrutiny. Like you think this should be satire. Uh, yes. Uh, it's well. Here's the thing. It's it's coming to the party. Um, and it doesn't want to play. It's um. It's showing up with this premise in this time and place, right? It is as if this show does not really recognize when it was released, right? You know, when we as a society are having all these conversations about you know the idea of wealth and you know like whether it should even be allowed to exist at this point, or at least, I don't know, in the circles I run, we're having conversations about this. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe in the circles you run, um, you know, you are out Talking about, about Fight Island, baby. <laughs> UFC 249. Six people enter the cage. Three people leave. This is a thing that... This, this uh, bit is not making a whole lot of sense to me, like, as it is happening. Uh, I, I've made the mistake, and I haven't said contact them. Fucking a local billionaire, uh, millionaire, whatever the fuck amount of money, Dana White runs UFC, is potentially buying out an island so that people can duke it out in the middle of the fucking (laughs) corona, whatever. And if your first thought was Mortal Kombat, yes. And that is a kind of extravagant waste of money that our main character here in The Millionaire Detective 
balance unlimited. It's not millionaire. It's like it's bigger than that, clearly. Yeah, this like show there's... has not been adjusted for inflation or updated for the kind of current moment. And I guess when I talk about the fucking comedy on this show and why it's not quite landing for me. Because I, I totally get what they're trying to do, right? Well, what I'd like to do is go into the first set piece that this show has and sort of just kind of take that apart because it it ends up being very um a nice little microcosm of the show's problems. Are we talking about the bridge or the car banging through the street? The bridge, yeah. The bridge, okay. Well, the like the car banging through the street into the bridge, that whole, you know, like the first episode. Let's just All right, the yeah. first episode. There's only two out right now and there's and we're only going to get two until July as this show got ronied just a little bit. Um so the, in the first episode, right, there's this whole thing that happens where um an antisocial cult has uh, put a bomb in a van, right? And two kind of hapless um, would-be jewel thieves uh, jack this van and, you know, kind of lead the police on a merry chase through some ward in Tokyo. Yeah, that's about right. They um, have a whole, again, um, this amusing sequence where she's trying to convince him to nut up and rob one of these stores. They keep saying, eh, not that one. You know, it's got a big guard and... Uh, and it's good. Like here's the, like there's so much about this that works. Like this is very well directed, right? Um, the, it is written as well as it could be. I should mention that this is uh, Tomohiko Ito who directed this, who did um, the first season of Silver Spoon, and uh, as well as Berserk. Not Berserk. What the fuck am I talking? Uh, Erased. Yeah. Um, two Erased. shows that I absolutely loved. Like um, Erased was just a fantastic suspense thriller. It's um, Silver Spoon. Was, if you remember, uh, one of my favorite shows of the last 10 years. Uh, he also did the first two um, seasons of Sword Art Online, but like. We have all sinned not, in our lives. It's it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not the director of the anime adaptation's fault. What would you Sword do for Online your kids? Exists. I'd direct a season of Sword Art Online for my fictional kids. I'd totally direct a season of Sword Art Online for my fictional kids. Um, so. So the whole, the whole thing is that, you know, this is very confidently put together. So it's why it's so jarring, right? When uh, you know, like this guy shows up with his wallet and his glasses that you know, like you know, he, he has like he basically has you know Google Glass, except it works. You know, like he'll fucking tap, you know, his rim and it'll be like, "Good evening, Batman," um, <laughs> and you know, like it'll do research for him, do prep time for him, and uh, I think that actually is part of the issue, right? Is that you know he's supposed to be like this billionaire detective who is nonetheless brilliant. Now, I don't necessarily think he's a brilliant detective. I think he has a pair of glasses that do research for him. Dude, this show is basically the extrapolation of that joke everyone made about Batman's power being fucking money. And it doesn't go further than that fucking idea. And in terms of his, like, brilliance, for this show to work, I think I need this guy to be either 20% smarter or 80% dumber. I need it to either really portray this level of competence that they want me to believe he has. And it's cool in this sort of Sherlock Holmesian way. Or, do it, you cowards, make him the loathsome fuck I want in my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. the whole show is sort of on the level of, isn't this slick and cool? Well, what ends up happening, right, is that uh, he ends up being written as not Sherlock Holmes smart, but as Sherlock smart. <laughs> uh, which is to Sherlock. say, uh, his intelligence is a superpower. Um, you know, he's smart, so he invented a, you know, pair of 
you know, Google Glass, you know, like shades that do detective work for him. He's smart. So, you know, he's, you know, he can, he, he knows, you know, all these languages, like specifically like Arabic when talking to this one, you know, prince or whatever of not UAE, right? Um, he's smart. So he has a bat cave, right? That kind of, you know, oh, dude, Sherlock's I can't wait smart. until we get a scene in the show with angles. Remember Sherlock and angles? Ugh, yes. Um, not very fondly. Now I can mention one of my favorite fucking things ever and one of my favorite fucking characters ever, um, Ed Elric, right? Um, one of the best written smart characters uh, in anything, honestly. Um, and just the difference between uh, a smart character written as a wizard versus a smart character who literally is a fucking wizard for all intents and purposes, still written as a person who actually <laughs> is very intelligent. Yeah. You know, the pains that they actually go to in, say, Full Metal Alchemist, right? To sort of work out how Ed has plausibly deduced something, right? And, you know, like, yes, he has vague knowledge or whatever, and I feel like that has leaned on a whole lot, you know, when writing a smart character, you know, for TV or whatever. It's just like, oh, I know this because I know this thing, right? Um, Like, yeah, he he's well-versed in chemistry and shit, right? Because, you know, like... It's an alchemist. Um, and, but um, what I'm thinking of just off the top of my head is when he figures out how he's going to beat uh, the first greed, right? Um, is because he figures like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, your, your ultimate shield, right? That's carbon, right? I can just transmute that. No problem. Yeah, to which greed one might shout, no fair, no fair. No fair. Um, right? So that's, that's like actually smart, right? And then um, Sherlock smart, right? Which is this guy... You know, who I guess knows, you know, whatever fucking language or, you know, I guess invented these glasses, right? So, whereas, you know, he has a superpower or he is a wizard. This never happened in Sherlock. It didn't happen in this show. But if I were to go for a um, trademarked Denard metaphor, I want you to imagine your hapless hero handcuffed. And he looks down on those handcuffs and smirks. Ah, obviously these are a pair of Baghdadian Type 2s. And he claps his hands together twice, and the cuffs just shatter into thousands of pieces of ruined metal. Exactly. It is um, it is the writers using his intelligence to cheat rather than um, to facilitate the forward progression of a scene. Like if, right? if a guy smarts at a problem and the sort of mood undercurrent is, time to move this bitch along... <laughs> It's, it's, it's like the same sort of thing when you've got, like, you know, the hacker who, you know, clickety-clackety, I'm in, right? Like, <laughs> But people praise uh, Mr. Robot, and I would be fascinated to see how they avoid that shit. I know that it's very well directed. I watched a couple of the first episodes. It's like one of those shows that instead of that show, I watched anime. Um, so it's near as I can tell is very good. Cool. Um, but the... um. <laughs> We weren't even planning on getting into this aspect of the show. Uh, we were mostly going to talk about the how can you include just references to obscene levels of wealth and then not actually talk about it because, like, it's fucking 2020. Are you blind? Um, but no, this is another issue that this show has, is that this guy comes off like a total fucking ponce, like, no matter what the fuck he's doing, whether it be, you know, deducing or um, just doing disgusting displays of wealth it's kind of crazy but the thing that doesn't work about the millionaire detective is the millionaire detective 
both aspects, honestly. He's kind of just a pretty dick. Um, ah, dick, because it's like the detective. Slaying for detective. Like, we were, we were headed towards, like, talking about the fucking bridge earlier, right? Yeah, yeah, go for it. The key part of that set piece is he uses his money brain to get rid of all the cop cars and civilians as he chases this thing. And then he has the fucking bridge come up while these guys are trying to drive over it using money mancy. Can we call it that money mancy, money alchemy? Uh, good evening, Batman superpowers. I don't know. It's, it's, that's a mouthful. As, as, as much as I enjoy it, that's just too much Actually, of a mouthful. Actually, so this cash, um, let's just call it equivalent exchange. He uses equivalent exchange. <laughs> No, that's the giving this bridge. show too much credit. It's it's comparing it to a far superior series. Or inviting comparison to a far superior series. He uses money powers. Let's call it money powers. So he money powers this bridge up. And I've been... I had this, like, smile during the early part of the episode that just sort of flattens out to a straight line at this moment. Oh, yeah, and then, you know... The, the main character, you know, Kato, who, you know, is I like this guy, right? He actually does the real work of, you know, getting this bomb off the bridge, getting, you know, like, the remaining, uh, the woman driving the car out of the car because she doesn't even know that there's a bomb in there, right? Because she jacked this car, if you remember, right? right. So he actually does the dirty work here, right? And is left hanging off the edge of this drawbridge, right? Mm-hmm. At which point, you know, like, a Daisuke, you know, kind of just walks up to him, stands above him, and watches him fall 50 feet into the water, which, like, I think it actually was probably more than 50 feet. It was probably even twice or three times that. I think he should probably be fucking dead. Um, Yeah. Uh, So, fine. Whatever. Artistic license, it didn't kill him. In this universe, you know, dropping that far into water doesn't. Whatever. I'm not going to nitpick over that. Um, But, like... I've received zero fucking incentive to feel any sort of positive feelings towards this character other than the fact that, like, he's hot or something. If a Hellboy monkey with a gun popped out of a bush and shot him once in the gut in the start of the next episode, and it was just ten minutes of him expiring on the ground, I would feel nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I hate this douchebag. Um, And... I know what you're saying. I know. I know it's. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I was gonna say, isn't that the joke? Here's the thing. You've basically built what in the current moment should be like a satirical structure, but the joke is basically on like it, it's instead of satire, it's like a mad TV sketch where it's just the laughter is really just a surface level dissonance. They haven't actually examined or commented upon or twisted anything. It's just. Yeah, it is something it's sort of innately funny about a guy lifting a bridge with cash to stop this petty crime. That's all right. It's a bigger crime. Have they thought about what that means now? How that scans differently now? How you could do more than what you're doing? Or how it could be less than it originally was in this context? Not like a fucking bit. Yeah, it's... um. It's it's like this willful ignorance on the show's part. Um, I I mean like maybe this show is just a victim of airing in 2020 rather than like 1979. I think in 1979 this show comes off as kitschy and fun, uh, but uh, <laughs> it's 2020 and Jeff Bezos still won't pay his fucking taxes. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, like, here I am, um, wanting to fucking chop this fucking asshole's head off every time he fucking appears in frame, right? And there's this bit in the yeah. uh, in the second episode, right, where um he is confronted by uh, Kato, the uh, the other protagonist, um. The human being, you know, like, you know, workaday detective guy in the stairwell, right? Where the guy calls him out for being a dick, right? And I'm expecting in this scene for, you know, uh, Daisuke to give him his whole thesis, right? So that we, we learn something about, you know, his character. Maybe he makes some, you know, oddly salient devil's advocate-ass point here. Dude, yeah, if there was something behind the series that just had some batshit Thomas Hobbes, this is what society needs to function kind of thing behind it. Okay, at least it had you have its an chance. angle, right? It had its chance, and then he just kind of like smirks at him, and that's all we get. Because ultimately, uh, smirks at him, and then mentions, "Oh, here's here. This was him owning him. Was just him <laughs> reciting. Was just uh, Daisuke here reciting the reason that you know Kato got demoted, which is, um, I think, in a tense hostage situation, he um he accidentally pulled the trigger, right? Um, which. Yeah, that's something to perhaps be ashamed of or something like that, but it's not a refutation of his point, nor is it a thesis on your part as to, you know, why it is okay for you to, you know, go around hoarding all of this wealth and using it, right, on such petty fucking things as drug busts. It would be like if you were telling someone to stop selling drugs and they said, you cheated on your wife. Yes, exactly. Um, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. No, it's, 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 it's almost, it's, it's kind of human in its way. Uh, right. But this like, you know, it, it, it is exactly the sort of thing that I would expect almost from, you know, some fucking, you know, asshole billionaire playboy like Daisuke here. Right. Except the show is on his side. That um, is, is fucking crazy. It's like it's like reading fucking Twilight here, right? Where you know, like the character of um, Bella Bella Swan, right, would be absolutely fascinating if the um, series was aware of uh, kind of how shitty she was. I'm honestly surprised someone hasn't cashed in on Yandere Bella Swan yet. Right? It would be like she would be an, an immensely compelling character if there was like 15% more self awareness that went into like the writing of that book, right, or the writing of those books, right? Yeah. Um. So. It's the same kind of thing with Daisuke here. Just, like, if if the show was just a little bit more self-aware. And I know it's not stupid, right? Because occasionally it'll give us, like... It's not because there are little character things that work with, like, the little sequences they make with the side characters. I don't know. Like, almost everything they do with one-off people works more than what they're trying to do with their main people. I feel like I'm watching fucking SmackDown and... Yeah, for real. It's it's not a bad comparison there. It's, um, like, like, SmackDown or, like... Kakegurui a little bit. Um, yeah. I haven't watched much of Kakegurui, though, so, like, I, I'm not going to talk too much shit, but, like, it just kind of comes off to me as just um, going for prison school heat, and, you know, it's still just, like, ludicrously rich people doing ludicrously rich things at one another, and I find it difficult to care. A lot of these shows and comics, especially in this sort of adventure niche, so much rides on knowing what you're doing with the main dude because these shows are married at the hip to how much you like or enjoy what the main fucker is doing. 
And it's kind of sad because this show looks good. It has fun little side plots and characters. There are some funny beats. There's funny direction. It understands the structure of a joke. But it just... I guess it's just that fucking middle brow thing where there's stuff that could be happening. I guess there's also a tonal dissonance thing because serious things do happen and then it's it's put up against fucking... Hello, Batman. <laughs> and Hello, Batman. And then he shows up in a fucking attack helicopter. Like I gave up on the attack helicopter. That sounds like I'm not waiting for when this show fucking comes back. Yeah, no, these are going to be the only two episodes of this show that I watch. Um, I just, just fucking pay your taxes. <laughs> it will solve so many, so many more fucking problems than you going around, you know, chasing down fucking drug dealers. Honest to fucking God. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know. Maybe they're not having the same conversations about wealth over in Japan that um, we are, you know, here in the states. Uh, so maybe you know, I'm giving the show shit for you know, like I don't even not think having you need been to made have, in like, America. The specific fucking social problem for the whole thing here to be irksome. Like I feel like if I made a fucking show about a Colombian drug lord. I have no real attachment to the situation. And he was just a sort of wacky, cool dude. And people would pay, like, lip service to questioning, like, hey, should you really be selling that coke to children? And he'd be like, you cheated on your wife. <laughs> and then he just, the show would just moseyed along. I would ask um, some serious so fucking questions. So here's like a thing, uh, and this is anecdotal, right? I haven't looked at any numbers or anything. This is just what I have read, right? Is that this series already has quite a fan base, and it has such a fan base because, and you can fucking just finish this sentence for me. People think he's hot. Um, now, there's been some amount of conversation, right? Um, about the sort of problematic nature of hating things that teenage girls like, right? It's, um, and, and I, I'm aware of this, right? I, I try to factor in like, oh, am I just, you know, down on this because it seems like something that, you know, would produce, you know, quote unquote fangirls, right? Uh, it's why I give, um, it, it's why like I recognize that, uh, that, you know, like one direction, right? Was like way the fuck outside of my demographic, but it ultimately it seemed like pretty much harmless to me. So like, whatever, right? Um, so, like, I, I will give a thing, right, that seems like it it is either aimed at, you know, like, that teenage girl audience or, you know, just has that sort of following to it, right? I'll try to give it whatever credit I can and try to sort of set aside my biases when looking at it, right? But occasionally, I cannot do that. Occasionally, it spits off the balcony at its fans. Occasionally, um... Occasionally, it beats Rihanna half to death in the car. <laughs> uh, occasionally, um, it brings to the table this fucking discussion about wealth, right? And how, like, if it is, you know, even correct to have any wealth or to just have, like, the fucking ludicrous amount of wealth that, you know, this character has and then not have that conversation. Um, so... Fuck you if you like this because he's hot. Watch another show with a different hot guy. Yeah, and I honestly wouldn't even be worried about falling into the fucking trap of criticizing something aimed at teenage girls. Because everything that's broken about this isn't really, at least in terms of what we've talked about here, the things that are fucking wrong with it aren't the things that pull people in in that way. 
I know. I and just kind of hated when I like. I would argue that I, all like, the shit that's wrong with this is distracting. Like I don't know if he was my given sexual fixation strutting about, and I watched shows for that. I feel like I would be too distracted by all the stupid shit running on to keep a semi chub. That's why I couldn't watch any of the fucking Charlie's Angels movies. Perhaps I think it's easy to fall into a trap um, there where you know you're trying to where, where you base sort of criticism off of like if only people were like me um but like i do get what you're saying um true that one sort of pet peeve i have um when you know talking about things and you know like giving criticism on things and then the rebuttal is yeah but you know character x is really hot right i i want to fucking wring these people's necks whenever i fucking hear this thing it kind of makes you wonder if people could have gotten through the room if Tommy Wiseau had abs. Well, they did get through the room. I've watched it like something like half a dozen times in my life. I've gotten like the room is. I I mean I get what you're saying, but like, perhaps a better example would be. I guess my point about El Gatos show at the end of the day, Los Gatos, is that watch for dissonance you're writing. And pay your fucking taxes. And pay your fucking taxes. Pay your goddamn taxes. Like, you shouldn't You shouldn't even be allowed to have the kind of wealth that you have. But at the very least, pay your fucking taxes. I hope that Elon Musk's fucking rockets work so I can shoot him into fucking space. Anyway, this is Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. Hell. Vote. National Poetry Month was pretty much cancelled by virus, but I wrote a haiku anyway. Pay your taxes, Jeff. No, a divorce does not count. You bald, walking leech. Thank you, patrons of the arts.